Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, you're going to hear my conversation with Greg Denoto. He's the founder and CEO of Denoto Incorporated, an advertising agency, branding agency, strategy agency in Brooklyn, New York. It's the first time I've seen Greg since I was a junior writer. So good to see him uh, and sort of relive the the glory days uh, back then, but also to hear uh, what he's doing now. It's exciting stuff out there in Brooklyn. He talks about how he's always looking for people with strategic instincts, and he gives you some tips on on how to get that going for yourself. But I think you're going to get a lot out of this one, and uh, it's somebody who uh, I really like talking to. But first... The A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising Age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as a professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow Ad House NYC on Facebook. Greg Denoto, everybody. Hi there. How are you, man? Good to see you, man. Good to see you as well. It's been a long been, time. It's been a, a, a huge, uh, uh, long time. Yeah. And it's been years since since we've seen each other. Yeah. Uh, what, what's been going on? Um, well, it depends on how far back you go. <laughs> um, you know, because when I, I first met you back in the... In the com. 90s the dot, days. The dot-com boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, even before that, at Deutsch... Um, oh. I think at the time, this had to be in the, the kind of mid nineties yeah. and I, I was trying to bring you in, trying to bring you in, but yeah. you, you were too hot a property. Man. Was I? Yeah. No, yeah. I, that couldn't have happened. Yeah, I no, don't think that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that happen? I think it did. And I can't remember if you went to K and B or where you went to, but I, we were, we were, I remember the guys at Greenberg. I was working with them oh, yeah. to try to like plot, yeah, yeah, yeah. plot your ensnarement. Yes. I remember trying to go to Deutsch yeah, and it yeah, not yeah. working out for some reason. But Greg Denoto, uh, let's go back to where did you grow up? Where, where, did, uh, uh, where I did grew Greg up Denoto on a uh, beautiful scenic Long Island, yeah, uh, which was um, an interesting place to grow up. Garden City. It was a, a little bit. Um, it's where W L I W is or something. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, gosh, what the hell? Was <laughs> I don't it? know why I remember that. Yeah, they were like the most progressive. Radio station back yeah, in the yeah, day, yeah, right? Yeah. Progressive rock, right. and um, but Garden City was a little bit of an isolated uh, uh, island culturally, um, and um, there was like a lot of old money in there and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. not very, it was not very diverse from a an opinion standpoint or a racial standpoint or anything like that, um, but. Beautiful community to grow up in. Great people and great friends. And, and what did you, what did your parents do? What did what did dad do? My dad uh, was a judge. Um, I think at the, I think, gosh, he, he was, he started out uh, as an attorney and then ended up being a district court judge and then wow. a uh, Supreme Court judge in, uh, in New York. And, um, uh, you know, that was, uh, a, a kind of an interesting influence too, because my dad was very, uh, intellectually acrobatic. You know, he really wanted to turn arguments inside out. He loved to debate. He loved to kind of go for the heart oh. of a concept or a thought. So um, he instilled in me a love for a little bit of that kind of polemic, you know. Right, so, of, yeah. of arguing your case and, and, Absolutely. and sort of taking a, were you, 
were you sort of a rebel against his sort of? Uh... I, I, you know, I thought for a long time that, like many people in my, in my family, I was going to end up being a lawyer. You know, oh, okay. And I thought because so I'm many just, of our, our our guests have have right thought about that. Yeah, and but I think there's this strange overlap between the skill sets requisite to these two pursuits. Right. Right. You have to have an analytical mind. You have to theoretically approach things from an unexpected angle. Right. Uh-huh. To come up with a great defense or a great prosecutorial uh, uh, strategy. Uh huh. Uh, and I think we do the same thing. We game things out. We think strategically, and then we 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 turn it into something real. You know, right? Hopefully. Um, At what point did you did you think? Uh, what what point did advertising start to seep into your your brain, dude? This is the strangest. I this had to be like early seventies, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like a little kid watching TV, and mm-hmm. I see the strangest um, film unfold before my eyes. There is a uh, a tight close-up on a face, and this mm-hmm. face is delivering what what appears to be a lecture, mm-hmm. and and there's it's implied that there's a class to whom he's giving the lecture, mm-hmm. and as we slowly pull out, it's revealed that this head is really a disembodied head in a box with a handle on top, and at the end of his lecture, this professor calls for his robot assistant to come and take him away. And, and then, as it turns out, this was an, an ad for the President's Committee on Physical Fitness. <laughs> and the idea was that if you don't take care of your body, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's great to take care of your mind, but you also have to take care of your body. That okay. Was, that yeah. was the net net. Yeah. And um, I, I was freaked. I mean, you might, have, you might as well have spiked my Cheerios with, with like right. some some serious acid. Yeah. And I I said to uh, my father, I go, what, what was that? And he said, that's an ad. I said, yeah, but an ad sells a toy or a sneaker or candy. Like what? And he's like, no, sometimes it's about selling a point of view or an opinion. And I was hooked from that moment forward. I was like, this is interesting. And, um, I kind of pursued it as, as much as you can pursue it as a a high school kid. I mean, I, so I in high school, you were like, I, I, I want to think yeah. about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I really cultivated an enthusiasm for the business. And where did you where, where did you end up going to college and what for? I went to uh, SUNY Albany, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a double major in rhetoric and communication. All right. Which, which applies. Yeah. And uh, classical civilization. So like Greek, Roman, Egypt, uh, you know, Egyptian history and yeah. art, and et cetera. Oh, a philosopher. Yes, yes. <laughs> a bullshit artist. A total bullshit artist, <laughs> but grounded in classic bullshit. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. And uh, w- while you were there, were you pursuing advertising? Were you were you thinking about uh, what you wanted to do? And, and I, I uh, was. What, were you, what kind of a student were you? Um, I was, you know, uh, I, I was not living up to my potential as a student due to, um, I think, distractions on the periphery, you know. <laughs> School is like, Never heard uh, of them. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, first of all, I, I played football and lacrosse, which is, uh, was t- a serious kind of task on your time. Yeah. But I also, um, you know, I was just a, 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 a very experimental young man and yeah. was out there like, uh, you know, living life. That's trying right. so, new things. Yeah. Trying new things. And I didn't spend as much time as I could have on my studies, but enough to really, you know, be a passionate, um, I guess to be really passionate about 
like the rhetoric and communication thing. I thought that was amazing because yeah. it was about the structure of argument. Yeah. And, um, you know, it ultimately really did have an application. And I started, like, thinking, who will I talk to when I get out of school? Yeah. You know? Did and, you think you were going to be a lawyer throughout no, school? No, I, I, I thought, I mean, I know that sounds weird, but it was like a backup strategy, right? Like, yeah. I, I, there was this more of this romantic vision of advertising. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of family friends that I thought were really cool, mm. you know, and I managed who, who to... Who were those people? Um, one was a guy named Craig Middleton, mm-hmm. who is, is like an uncle by marriage. Mm-hmm. And he worked at, at Y&R and McCann in, in various really high-level capacities. Mm-hmm. And another guy was Craig Sussanjara, who was, at the time, I think he was CEO of of Dancer Fitzgerald, which became Saatchi. Mm-hmm. And both of these guys, you know, I hit them up and I said, can I spend some time in the agency? I want to learn about this. And uh, I went in and um, I spent time with different people in these agency environments. And I start, and I said, who are these guys over here with like the toys in their office mm-hmm. And the sneakers, et cetera, because they look like they're having a better time <laughs> than these guys over here in the suits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I started to understand there's creative yeah. and there's account guys. Right. And I guess at the time we really didn't have planning, but right. we, there were research guys and mm-hmm. producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started to kind of read and get get old one shows and, you know, start to find out what advertising was about. Right. So what made you uh, – w- were you – was that something that just came from your own personal uh, ambition to go talk to these guys? Or did dad, like, give no, you the sort came, of, like, go do this? It or? came from me because I um, <clears throat> I thought that, I, you know, I love to write. And I thought this is a great kind of uh, blend of creative and going to war in a business-like sense, this advertising thing. And yeah. I, I, I have the suspicion yeah. that my writing talents will be useful. And then I found out a little bit more about like what a creative does. And right. um, I said, okay, that's it. That's my compass heading. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do then? What, what were your, what was your next step? Then I, uh, I started to work. I took a year off and I coached football uh, for a year for, uh, high school, football? no college football in, okay. in New Jersey. And okay. then, and then I, um, and while I was doing that, I was taking courses at night at, um, SVA. Okay. And I took courses with people like Peter Levathes and, uh, Sal DeVito and, uh-huh. and some great teachers and started to put a book together, right. you know, and and Sal Devito was known for for being sort of uh, he would he would tear your shit off the wall, he would burn it, he would throw it out the window, and that was those were did that happen in your class? Absolutely, okay, there, absolutely. The, um, you know, he was brilliant, he was funny, he was charismatic, and he he really imbued everyone in the class with this sense of, of passion, like this is a cool business and it's a competitive business right? and you're going to have to like really come heavy or you're, you're going to fail. Right. And I think he kind of set a standard for what a concept is and what an idea is. And he, and, and, you know, it was an admirable slash scary thing yeah. to be in one, you know, to, to watch him do his thing. Yeah. And he set, he set ads on fire yeah. in front of us. He threw uh-huh. ads out the window. He told people, you should not be in this business. Um, but by the same token, for you know, and some of those people stayed and kicked ass anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, he forced people. It's like a drill sergeant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, because this business is not easy. Right. Right? I yeah. mean, 
Uh, and I think you have to start to develop a, a, a thick skin early on. Yeah. Uh, if you're personally invested in your work too much, yeah. you know, you're going to be in trouble. So we're commuting in for those for those SVA classes. I was commuting in. It was just you were you were you were insanity. you were coaching in New Jersey. Yes. You were still living in Long Island or and, and uh, coming into where SVA. Was I living? Yeah, I guess I was living in. No, no, no. When I was in in New Jersey, I had to live okay. there. It was a full time yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, so I was yeah, living yeah. in Jersey on campus. Yeah. What school was that? William Patterson College. Oh, okay. And I taught like you know I coached uh, defensive backs there and. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I um, was doing this insane schedule, but I managed to put a book together. And then I started, you know, shopping the book. Right. And uh, it's tough. You know, I mean, uh, just getting in front of people back in the day. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's equally hard now, but it's it was a physical thing. Yeah. You had to have, first of all, multiple copies of your portfolio. Right. It was a thing that had to be kind of distributed amongst prospective employers yeah and then retrieved right and, and they then, were all laminated and, and and with the felt backing so you yeah. had to they were heavy oh yeah heavy books i still have mine there is probably 30 pounds do you remember i mean we would have first of all you'd have to find somebody to help you I would, i'm a writer you had to yeah. find like an art director person similar at the similar level yeah with whom you would you know, conspire to make this bunch of, of ads come to life. Then you had to find like some graphic services house. Yeah. And remember, you're not in the business yet, right? right? You're on the fringes of it. And then you had to kind of laminate these things, put them into, into the hands of creative directors or receptionists or assistants, and then proceed to call them for weeks on end saying, has he seen it yet? Yeah. Is he ready to hire me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you only had three or four uh, copies of that book. Right. So, if it was out to three or four places and somebody else called, you had to either go get it or send a messenger or, yeah, it was very, uh, Absolutely. it forced you to, uh, you know, your options weren't that great. Now you can just send your, your URL out to everybody, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is both easier, but I think also causes, I think people get like, where do I send it? Who do I send it to? That's and right. How do I keep track of it? That's right. And I, I remember even back then, you know, People used creative strategies to kind of stand out for yeah. a, a creative director. And um, sometimes it would be an interesting direct mail piece, or right. sometimes it would be like camping out in front of their offices with like a sandwich board, or, right. you know, how do I get their attention? Right. And nowadays, you know, you still see a lot of that happening virtually where people will create a website dedicated right. to getting a job, or they will, you know, create an online activation. So, um, the same principles of kind of ingenuity and persistence apply, right. but they're manifested differently. Have you seen that recently uh, from people? Is that I, I have. I mean, I, I, every once in a while, I had. I remember getting X-rays. Somebody sent me X-rays <laughs> of their head, and they kept saying that there was a part of their head that wanted to work for me. Yeah, and um, they sent like more and more X-rays, and the part was getting bigger and bigger. It was very strange and, yes. and weird. Yeah, but. You know, it got my attention yeah. and it got them, yeah. you know, an and interview, got that person an interview. And um, uh, and then recently I I saw a guy who had a great piece of work. I mean, this is not entirely analogous, but right. he had in his book um, or on his website, Celebrity Sausage. <laughs> and so the idea was that he could harvest DNA from different celebrities. Right. I guess via a swab or something, <laughs> and then 
kind of culture it and grow the DNA yeah. and into sausage. And yeah. then you can order up, like, I would like a Justin Bieber, right. Demi Lovato, John Houseman. Yeah. You know, so, well, John Houseman's dead. That wouldn't work. But yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you could get his DNA, you could possibly That's make right. John Houseman sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. So, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Kind of. And 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 that was totally a spec project, you yeah. know, to get people's attention. <laughs> and it got my attention. It I, I said, well, got your attention. I need to have this guy do some work for me. Yeah. Um, and or investigated by the FBI. Yeah. And, or sell me some sausage. <laughs> so where know. can I get that? That's Demi right. Lovato. It's delicious. That's right. um, how did you get your first job? What, what was your first? Uh, what were the first interviews like? And and. What did you learn there? And uh, Dude, so I, I have these very strange stories. I mean, I was, I was up for a cub copy job. Now, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, agencies like Y&R and J. Walter Thompson had like a copywriter training program. Mm-hmm. And there would be finalists. J. Walter Thompson actually had a test that they would publish in, in the newspaper. And mm-hmm. then creatives would take the test. And somehow a list of finalists. I wonder be, if the, it's, the test still exists somewhere. I don't, Can it we was, find it? It was great. I mean, somebody I, I send me that test. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. And then and and with uh, YNR, there was this great person who ran uh, uh, HR there, or at least creative management, named Louisa Robinson. Um, and she looked at books, et cetera, and called it down to twelve people. So twelve mm. people. I was amongst those people. Get to spend a day at YNR, and we interview with a bunch of people. Wow. And uh, eight people, eight interviews, eight hour-long interviews. And then you have lunch in between, and it was like a a real competition. And at the end, um, I was told that I didn't get this uh, job. Uh, I was was the alternate. The one out of the 12 was a poet from Harvard. And I'm like, what? I mean, he didn't even have a book. Yeah. But I guess that, you know, they... They found they found that him to be a shiny object, and they hired yeah. him. I was the alternate, so in case he was hit by a bus, mm-hmm. which I tried to figure out how can I, <laughs> how can I help this guy get yeah. home? That but was that was how competitive it was. It was time. very competitive. Yeah. But um, I said, so what was the scoop? You know, why didn't I get the gig? And they said, well, when you were, you know, one of the one of the creative directors asked you. Uh, what you felt about the BMW campaign, and you explained your point of view, and and I remember this conversation. I said, uh, he asked me what you know, what about the writing that Tom Thomas was doing, and Gotti Thomas Hedge was doing this. Like, what what about it? You know, works for you? And I gave him my answer, and he said, he said, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's really about you know providing a an emotional alibi or a logical alibi for an emotional decision. I said, well. And so I said, naively, well, that's obvious. <laughs> I wanted to take it a step further, right? And uh, anyway, so I guess I pissed that guy off. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly enough, f- fast forward 15 years later, yeah. that guy ended up in my office interviewing for a job. Oh, my God. It was the weirdest thing. That happens. It happens, right? <laughs> um, anyway, so I went through a bunch of interviews um, Interesting, hard process. You know, uh, I was living in the, in the in Jersey, and then I I moved back to the island, and I got a you know like I rented a room in a, in a <laughs> tiny house, and I'm living in this place, and I'm I'm like working as a bouncer on the weekends at oh, bars wow. and doing whatever I could to make money yeah. while I'm chasing this thing. Yeah. And uh, and how old are you at this point? I guess I'm 23. Okay. 
right? It's a year out of college, something yeah. like that. And uh, working really hard to just, you know, uh, keep it all together and, and get out there. Yeah. And eventually I found a place um, where a friend of mine said, oh, you know what? These guys are looking for a, a writer. And I looked them up and they were on Adweek's 10 hottest agencies on the East Coast list. Right. And it was a place called Greenstone Rabaska. And um, uh, and then I I got the job. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting story. This is this is good for, for people who are starting out. The guy says to me, how much can you afford? How much do you need to live? Yeah. And I said, well, it's interesting. I figured it out. I need $16,000 a year to live, which I, you know, was an honest answer. <laughs> and he said, the job pays 15000 uh, like, he just had to kind of... Yeah, 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 yeah. In any event, I got the job, and then the creative director responsible for all the great work left six weeks later. So, you know, I stayed oh, there. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that happens a lot, right? Because yeah, yeah. they get they got, they got got put on that list, and yeah. then everybody sort of went and looked at, like, who are the people we could poach from there, and they took them. That's right. And do you remember who that was? Does, was he? Did he go on to for fame and fortune? And he, and, uh, he opened up his own stuff? place. His name was Jack Schulteis. He was a really great uh, writer and creative director, and uh, also like a you know, even though I only knew him for about I don't know six weeks. Six like weeks, said, yeah. It was evident that he had created a team, and the team cared about each other, and they cared about the work, and they you know, and that's how they yeah. got to be where they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what what did you? What did you learn from him in your six weeks? Were you were you uh, you know what were you I, able to get anything out of him? Yes. First, he was a writer by trade, mm-hmm. but he was all over typography. You know what okay. I mean? Like like I I said, you know, it's really interesting. This guy is a, as much about craft, you know, as he is about concept. And I thought that that was um, you know uh, really important yeah. and significant. And I just the way he treated his people. Um, he was, you know, deferential to their efforts, you know, um, he, it wasn't about that sucks, that sucks, that's good. It was like, let me find something of value in everybody's work, but let's, but still steer the ship. Right. And, um, so, uh, you know, he he was, uh, an admirable cat. Yeah. Really good guy. Uh, so what was it like after he left? (coughs) Excuse me. Um, after that, you know, we we had like a lot of tech accounts, and I went through a great kind of training period, mm. l- writing long copy for like, you know, telecom manufacturers mm. and, and IBM, and you know, literally for people who are making um, chip silicon chips and stuff like that. Right, B two B trade. You had to have like a value proposition. You had to have like a, a, a real strategy and reasons to believe, and you had to be able to state your case. Yeah. Um, and of course, you want to spin that up into some kind of breakthrough work, but it's very tricky in categories like that that aren't yeah. marketing driven traditionally. Right. Um, but it was great training ground. It taught you to write. Taught me to write. Taught me how to like research you know, to lean into uh, my my account counterparts who you know I, I learned that that trade too. You know how how what is the the uh, the debate the ongoing debate between those guys and us and. Since then, the business has evolved a lot, and I think that, you know, you find creatives, strategists, and account people tend to be more uh, uh, unified mm. in how they, they go to market. Um, but back in the day, it was like, that's crazy. You can't do that. And it's yeah. like, yes, I can. This is good. <laughs> right. This is great. Go sell it. Go sell it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh, how long were you there? At that I was first? there about five years. And, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time, but it was really great, challenging time. Then I ended up going to Bozell and, um, uh, Jay Schulberg was the creative director there. And then on 23rd street. Yes. Fancy door. Yes. The big, the old toy factory. Yes. Right. And, um, Jay Schulberg was there and a guy named Ron Anderson, who we all know is like the, the godfather of Minneapolis advertising, had been imported to New York to run Bozell uh, galactically. So he was right. like the, the head honcho. This was one of the first like global yeah, guys. Yeah. Okay. He, he was – this dude was – I mean he literally – Bozell Minneapolis was kind of like the farm agency – for Fallon McGilligot and Carmichael Lynch and all those places back in right, the day. Right, right. And um, so he was a great teacher, really great. Um, How did you get that job? What was the... You know, I I heard about it through a, a friend of mine. He said they're looking for, for a writer. And I was looking for a place that was going to give me more broadcast. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be Merrill Lynch uh, and Mass Mutual Insurance and, and Chrysler car advertising. And, mm-hmm. and I said, this is great. There's, they have to, you know, they have to create a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. I wanted more TV. So, uh, so you're doing a lot of print, you were doing a lot of B2B, you're yes. doing a lot of brochures and things. Absolutely. And you just wanted to get, you wanted to get, uh, you wanted to go on a shoot. Dude, you remember, right? Like yeah. there was TV, you had to have TV, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I had some television, but it just was not, you know, uh, adequately budgeted or, you know, sometimes the clients weren't that sophisticated when it came to TV. Mm-hmm. So, your work is as good as your clients. Right. Um, but managed to go here. Um, Did Mickey, you have a partner at the time that you moved with or was there? No, no, yeah. I didn't. I came by myself. Uh-huh. And um, I worked there for three years and we managed to get some great work done on uh, mass mutual insurance, especially. And uh, I, I worked there with uh, a guy named Joe Stalupi and Kathy Delaney. She, she, she was, you know, an incredible art director. There were some really... Uh, smart creative, strong creatives, and uh, the, uh, including the guy Mickey Paxton, who yeah. actually, do you know Mickey? I do. Yeah, yeah. He he's the he's the greatest. I mean, very I- intense, um, great, um, high profile ideas that really pop, and uh, I loved working with him as well. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was the the scene at 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 Bozell when you got there. Yes. What were your What were your intentions? What you wanted to get? Did you get a lot of of uh, bo- uh, broadcast out of that? Or I did. I got a, a lot of uh, Merrill Lynch, um, Mass Mutual, and Chrysler. Yeah, uh, big Chry- corporate accounts. Big corporate accounts. But yeah. you learned that a lot. Didn't of, scare you? Didn't scare me at all. And I, I learned a lot of lessons about how to deal with people like Lee Iacocca on the, right. on, the on set. Um, and um, you know, we we did we did some great things. We we crashed. Two cars together in the desert. I mean, literally head-on collision between yeah. two stunt drivers to demonstrate airbags. Oh wow! Um, and we had eleven photosonics going at once, and you know we uh, we Hope hurt you got our, it. we we got it, and we hurt our stunt people. Oh but, no! But you know, every once in a while, they were um, you know they were up for doing some great work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, what are you most proud of out, out of that? I mean, I love that spot, but yeah. I, we we really did a great campaign for Mass Mutual that uh, you know that made some that made some noise in the shows, one show in the Andes and the, right. and the Cleos and all that stuff. What what was the were you was that a, a one of your goals to get into those shows and to sort of get absolutely get that hardware? 
Absolutely. Is that I mean, still important? It's not, it's not important to the same extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is, uh, you know, frankly, Donnie's influence when I went, ended up going to Deutsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie had a healthy disdain for the award shows. Mm. But at the time, yes, you, you, that was the path. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. had to, you have to make some noise. You have to get some awards. You have to kind of, uh, you know, have that under your belt to legitimize you for the certain, for the jobs that you wanted. Right. And um, so, yeah, I started to win some awards and that was important and get into places like ar- archive and, and et cetera. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I knew there, that I wanted to kind of move to a smaller place, mm-hmm. and I wanted to move. There were a couple of shops that were popping at the time, like Kirschenbaum right. and Deutsch. I was freelancing nights and weekends for Kirschenbaum oh, wow. while I was at Bozell. That's so funny. It's so – yeah, with uh, Porter and yeah. Ann Lemon and yeah. a bunch of other people, and um, which was an interesting uh, side gig. Um, yeah. What was that like? How, was how did you get that? And, and you know, I think I don't want to get anybody in trouble because it's like, I mean, not, it's not, it's not a cool yeah. thing. Right. Like right. I was, I was like a full time, uh, creative. Yeah. Right. At, at Bozell, you know, working my ass off, but I managed to find time cause you're really hungry Yeah. to do something else. And Kirschenbaum was like a shiny object at the time, yeah. you know, Kirschenbaum and Deutsch. The hot shop. Yeah. And, um, so I um uh I can't remember how that came about yeah. but I loved working with Glenn Porter and I think I think Oberlander was there at mm-hmm. the time and Lemon and worked on a you know a couple of a couple of things that you know were behind the scenes pitches etc. Yeah. yeah. There's always opportunity uh and if you if you want to get there you can do it. Uh how did you network in the in the business back then? What what was you know, what was your I, you know, it used to, of course, there just was going like, to parties. Yeah. There was the one show, right? Yeah. Um, but I got to say that, uh, I mean, the one club, mm-hmm. right? And the one club was great. You'd meet young, young creatives, especially when you're first starting out. It was really great. Yeah. You'd meet other, other creatives. And that's actually where I met my art director partner for putting my book together. Yeah. You know? And, um, you uh you know you get a chance to like realize you're not alone right. in this struggle and uh you know you do make some contacts that last and last and last but the real networking started to happen because everybody went to the same parties mm-hmm. and everybody you know there was a lot of like deutsch Shiat, and Kirschenbaum people who all hung out together mm-hmm. because there was a lot of movement between those agencies right and um so, you know, I I guess once I started working at Deutsch, I, I, I didn't know anybody at Deutsch at the time. But once yeah. I started working at Deutsch, then you started to get into that that circle. Is that when, when you got to Deutsch, is that when you became like a name that people knew? I th- um, yes. I mean, to the extent that that's, that's possible, yes. And, and it was, uh, I think, um, you know, we managed to get some campaigns out that made some noise mm-hmm. and do some really good work. Mr. Jenkins Mr. being, Mr. being Jenkins. one of them for uh, Tangare, uh, yeah. uh And that was Dallas Hitson, I think, worked on that. Dallas, Patrick O'Neill. Patrick. Uh, Kathy. Yeah. Delaney. Yeah. Um, and Dallas and Patrick, inst- interestingly enough, are still working with me today. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're great. 
Um, awesome. Yeah, Patrick, hello. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick and I just did a uh, campaign for Untuck It and, and one before that ah, for, for Corcoran. The Shirtless Men was Patrick's <laughs> idea. Now I get it. Well, that's what he will say. <laughs> um, but we, we had a great time uh, uh, doing that stuff. And um, uh, those guys were killer creatives. I mean, we had, a gr- we had people like Paul Goldman, Eric McClellan, uh, Dallas, Patrick, uh, Scott Carlson, Tom Gadici, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Musser, uh, uh, Jen Solo, Mark Jensen, Brett Ridgway. I mean, we had a real yeah. A team at, at Deutsch at the time. And that was, was that your first sort of running a piece of business or running creative? Yeah. What, what, what's the difference between making it and, and sort of managing? And, and why did you want to do that? Well, <clears throat> I think that, you know, Deutsch is a very entrepreneurial environment, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. You know, Donnie was uh, uh, great at assembling highly talented people and then throwing them into the arena, into the sand pit yeah. to, like, work it out. And um, and we did, you know. And there were a lot of a lot of uh, personalities, right? Uh, you had to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. It, yeah, it was it was very intense, and um, you know, there were a lot of uh, strong egos, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and great people. And, um, you know, so we had to kind of like maneuver to get assignments and, and make sure that, you know, you had a, a good team. So it, there were two groups. There was my group and uh, and then Scott. Scott Carlson had a group. Uh-huh. And, you know, so we worked in that way right. on different businesses. Um, uh, so was there a Denoto Carlson sort of – was there a bit of uh, you know we, like, oh, you're on that team? I don't know. I think that there were a couple of moments. I yeah. mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you a story. When we – the first um, party I attended at Deutsch, it was a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And it was prior to my actually arriving there. Mm-hmm. And Scott uh, – I'm sitting there talking to Donnie. I have a scotch in my hand or something. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody like moving quickly towards mm-hmm. me. And Scott headbutted me right square <laughs> – Right square in the forehead. Yeah. And and then I like dropped my drink and then like went after Scott. You know? Yeah. And Donnie loved this. Yeah. You know? He's like, this is this is the shit that I want. I want to have this kind of insane, you know, uh, hyper competitive environment. He wanted that. Yeah. I think he, he, just... lo- he loved it. He loved it. And, and, you know, and since then to give Donnie props, I mean, uh, the guy has, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing you can say that is an an overstatement about the success that he's achieved and and how he developed as a manager and as a as an agency runner. Yeah. But back in the day, it was kind of like a crazy boys club. Yeah. And that was the vibe. Yeah. I interned there in 92, 91. Damn. So that I, I and yeah. his dad uh, would yell at me to put the cap back on the rubber cement. That was literally <laughs> all I did was sat there and made sure That's that the right. cap was on the rubber cement. His dad would, and uh, the only words that Donnie has ever spoken to me uh, were when he came into the studio once, and that was where I would be reading my book because I didn't I didn't have any social skills. He came in and he said, "Hey, we kind of look alike." And <laughs> I had a mullet. He had a mullet. I said, yeah, I guess. And then that was it. He doesn't look, we don't look alike anymore. But You know, um, uh, the dude was. We both had mullets. First of all, I'm trying hard to picture you with a mullet. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Because I'll send you a picture. You've got like a signature look now. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I didn't have it back then. And Donnie, I went to Donnie's apartment once back in, the, in that day. And he had like in his closet were all the same, you know, he had like jeans, 
T-shirts, jackets, the same same yeah. exact thing. Like yeah. the, the no thinking wardrobe right. of a serious businessman. Yeah. Um, but Scott, and to to get back to your your question about Scott, Scott and I, you know, we we ended up being uh, fast friends. Yeah. And it was very competitive, but we we did a lot of work together. Yeah. Um, and the groups worked, uh, you know, across group lines occasionally on stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, super talented guy, and um, and the same for Tom Gadici too. Yeah. So. That place was uh, was really humming back then in the nineties. We were grow- uh, we we're growing at, a, at an incredible clip. It was uh, it was the dot com boom. It was uh, and and I know there was a Kirschenbaum Deutsch sort of rivalry yes. that uh, I could feel from the Kirschenbaum side of things. Sure, uh, and always felt like oh Deutsch is beating us again on that one. And you know I think you guys got Snapple at one point, and it was like oh That's that was right. it. That's that was right. like oh how dare how you, dare you sir? Right. We got she s- was mine first. <laughs> That's right. We got Snapple, and then we got. Uh, we also had Mystic Beverages and stuff, which came from the same holding yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Donnie, um, yeah, there was definitely a sense of, okay, we got to be Kirschenbaum. Yeah. You know? And I think we were up against each other in a bunch of pitches. And, and uh, It's good to have a rival. Uh, it was great. Because you can, you can sort of measure yourself against that person yeah, uh, as long great. as it doesn't get too crazy. But uh, it's good to have somebody that you're like, I want to be like them or I want to beat them at this. And, yeah. Well, you know, the good thing about... Uh, Deutsch and Kirschbaum back in the day was they started to do work that didn't feel like, um, I guess, the one-liner work that mm-hmm. seemed to dominate the award shows at the time. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like wry headline with a twist at the end. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and the setup and the punchline. And there were exceptions to that. Goodby was doing brilliant work and widen and stuff. But in New York, something interesting was happening. It just didn't, it seemed to not care as much about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Donnie definitely did not care about award shows and, and even kind of goofed on them a little bit. How so? Uh, he, I mean, he would just, <clears throat> excuse me, he would say, you know, th- this is masturbatory. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, yeah. I, and I think he has a point. Um, but it also is something to strive for. Yeah. You know? So if it's motivating good people, it's a good thing. And I would go to him and I'd say, dude, you know, there's a lot of people. It hurts me from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, yeah. When I go out and I try to hire people. Right. Um, and it's, it's, yeah. On the other end, he's losing people. If they win awards, they get poached. Yes. Probably paying them less than an Ogilvy could pay them or a, you know, a bigger yeah. agency could pay them. But you, I think you got to it's, – it's important for younger people, especially to have that to shoot for. It's like I want to win an award that at least shows the world that I am good and I know what I'm doing. It's a data point. Yes. Uh, it's a data apart point. Apart from like sales, which you can't always get from the client. And yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's – yeah. And, and I, I think to the extent that – they they reinforce, you know, they reinforce brand and they reinforce performance on the shelf and they reinforce, a, a, you know, relationship with between the consumer and the and the, and the company. Right. Um, awards are great. You know, I guess back in the day, sometimes there was like some awards abuse. You know, with tiny yeah. tiny made up clients. No, the you know? fake the fake yeah the fake ads are still uh, a problem still with, out there. with the uh, with the award shows. But I think they're trying to. Fight them. It's harder now, even because you don't know if something ran or not. It, it's, That's right. It could be a social campaign That's that right. they did in India or somewhere. Yeah, uh, you just don't know. You don't. You don't know. And I, I think that uh, 
that was a, a challenge. And, and when I ended up being ECD of the shop, I, Donnie and I, you know, I would go to him and I go, dude, it's award show season. I need, you know, X number of dollars because yeah. we have all these shows. He'd be like, I don't want to pay for this shit. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did. I mean, he, you know, he right. was not, he, he took good care of us in that, in that sense, but it was tough. Like yeah. Deutsch, it was tough for Deutsch to win awards because there was a little bit of that feeling that, you know, this is hypocritical. Why are you guys here like yeah. trying to, to, to win yeah. a pencil or, or a lion when, you know, Donnie was. You should of, be trying to sell tequila or whatever it is that yeah. uh, you're selling. Um, how do you manage a group of, sounds like there was a bunch of <laughs> crazy not, people not in, uh, at, at well, it, you know, eventually I think that it, it evolved and it turned, you know, we had to become more of like a, a real, Medium-sized agency initially, and then right. a big, and then a big agency. When I got there, what's a medium-sized? I don't agency? know. I mean, I guess we. Yeah, we we started out when I when I got there, we were at thirty million dollars. When I left Deutsch, we were at like five or six hundred million dollars. So mm-hmm. it's in between there. There was a lot of uh, there were a lot of growing pains and a lot of you know, growing up that the agency had to go through. Right, and um, it became more. It had to go from a boys' club to a. Uh, Co-ed a little bit more. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, having people like Dallas, who was an amazing writer and creative, and uh, and hiring Kathy and uh, Joanne Scanello and a bunch of other great, you know, female creatives was mm-hmm. a, a natural thing. For me, I, I don't care if you're from Mars or what gender you are or what color you are. Like, mm-hmm. I just I just look for what I think of the, is talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kinds of people that I hired. and uh, But we also had to become more structured. And we had to have groups and then we had to have ACDs and GCDs and, you know, and and so we started to become a lot more structured, you know, and more mature as an agency. And we we had a great planning function um, that became formalized and our own, you know, uh, planning philosophy and Mm. and all that stuff. And um, agency grew up, we got bigger and... uh, um, and you end up o- opening your own shop after that, right? Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. when you – what made you decide to do that and, and – You know, two things. Did I, you open it without a client or – We opened up with, without a client. And um, two things. Number one, you know, uh, to give give Donnie credit, you know, he he was an entrepreneur, you know, and he he was kind of like at the head of this pirate ship. Yeah. And I thought, it's really cool, man. Yeah. I want to have my own pirate ship. Yeah. And the other thing was my, the the partner. My at the time, I was the executive creative director, but we had a, a director of client services come in, named Esther Lee, mm-hmm. and uh, Esther was a badass. I mean, she here she is, this like you know, petite woman who was one of the few people who would tell Donnie like, no. You're wrong. That's not how to do it. This is how to do it. And she would lay down the law. Right. And I, I, I and she had great integrity, great creative judgment, uh, and a, a big clanging pair of uh, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. pencils. Mm-hmm. But she, 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 you know, was very masterful as an account person and a strategist. And I went in. I, or actually, I, I, I said, "Hey, can I sit down with you? I want to talk." And she yeah. thought there was some kind of a problem. And I said. No, I want to go into business with you. Yeah. So three months later, we did it. We told Donnie and no business. And then we picked up uh, Mystic actually came to us from Deutsch to Mystic, you know, to us. Right. And then CNN and a bunch of other stuff. So 
It's a lot of fun. And how did Donnie respond to you saying we want to go out and and um, oh by the way your client services person too was that was that a he listen it was really important for him we had just one like Bank of America or something like that yeah. like a huge piece of business and I think it was really important for him to kind of um, uh, downplay it you mm-hmm. know in the press et cetera which he yeah. did yeah. he said something really cheesy like yeah. oh it's always tough when we lose staff members and I remember right. saying dude we're not staff members you know we're we're, we're helping you steer the ship and, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah yeah but um to again to give him credit you know he was very encouraging he he like when he first realized it he that I was serious because yeah. I I'd threatened to like you know yeah. to leave many times before <laughs> he's like a big smile and he's like you know I have great nakas. And I'm like, what is nakas? Nakas. Nakas. Yeah. There you go. He yeah. says, I have great nakas. And so he says, you know, I'm proud that you're going to go do this. And yeah. and then I said, and Esther's coming too. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I still have nakas. <laughs> but just can you wait like two weeks? And so, okay. yeah. So we kind of waited before we announced. And uh, and so you open with, with no business. No business. What, what's, what, what's that like? Dude, it's it's very scary, but we you know we we figured out you know we we're gonna start out in my my loft in Soho. I had this this big crazy loft, and we're gonna start there first six months, and then we moved in um, above Kenneth Cole on uh, on Broadway mm-hmm. after that. Uh, but we were very confident, and the the market seemed to be friendly at the time. Yeah, um, but it's it's super scary. I mean, you know. And you were you were using freelancers or how, like no we we hired a bunch of account people and planners as soon as we got Mystic and and CNN and, oh great you know, our first couple of accounts yeah and we had you know I remember the Deja dot com account that was with, the one that Carolyn yeah that I I yeah I went over there and I I was like I gotta work here and you were like. Oh yeah, we don't have anything, but yeah, you know, someday, <laughs> dude. We, we yeah, I mean, okay. with the Deja stuff was great. It was uh, uh, I, I did that with Chris Van Oosterhout, and um, uh, interestingly enough, we had other clients bring that ad in, some of that advertising in the Deja stuff, and say we want something like this, and we said, well, that's good news because we did it here. <laughs> And um, so we managed to get a lot of dot com business. Yeah. And uh, but you're right about creatives. Like we hired planners and we hired account people. But I wanted access to the. To yeah, the I remember pe- you saying that at yeah, the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I I can freelance everybody. So if you're freelance, I'll you know absolutely let's do it. Absolutely. And and we had. Um, I was just too chicken to do it at that point, but uh, dude, years later I did it. It was awesome. Right. Freelancing is great. Freelancing is great. Once you get your, once you know what you're doing in the business, I feel like freelancing is a great way to, first of all, make a lot of money uh, and learn how to work with all different kinds of agencies and and learn where you like to work and who you want to work with and find the kind of people. And I think that it also develops a kind of, you know, sense of your own brand and personal autonomy. And, you know, um, you know, you have to package yourself. You have to show up. You have to deliver. You have to hustle. It's like being a, being a hired gun. Yeah. There's no, there's no like hiding behind your boss anymore. You're, uh, you're, you're all by yourself. That's right. And it's, uh, it's scary, but it's good. And, and I, I, I mean, to this day, that's largely our model net. We're largely virtual. We have six full-time employees. The rest of the people are all my Rolodex, my 30 years deep. Yeah. By the way, f- for millennials, a Rolodex <laughs> used to be this this thing. That it, it rolled. It rolled and it had cards. Index. It was an index that rolled, yes. that, that, thus the name. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm fortunate to have like met many great 
uh, creatives, planners, account people over the course of my career, and we tap into that. And and look, there's a huge market now. I mean, it's it's so many people are working on a project basis, yeah, and on a virtual basis. Yeah, that there is a a huge kind of uh, stable of people. It's a great way to become very good at life because yes. you have to do all of the things yes. yourself. Uh, and so I find that that really good freelancers are usually really good people too, because they if they weren't, they wouldn't be working. Yeah, you know, oh, a thousand percent. You have to um, you have to learn how to roll with the punches. You have to learn how to immediately uh, create some connective tissue between you and your teammates. Yeah. You have to be able to manage up, manage across, and manage down, and be be like a a, a lady or a gentleman. Yeah, are, are those terms those terms still in use? I don't no, know. but we can use them. You here. know what I mean. <laughs> So there are many of them left in, in advertising for sure. Yeah. Um, but you uh, so but the whole time you were working, you were basically gathering this this crew. And Absolutely. That's, that's a that's a lesson in itself. You know, yeah, be I'm, nice to everyone and, and be be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, people like Dallas and Patrick, who who I you know, worked with back in the, the early 90s and I'm still working with today and mm -hmm. um you know, you become very fast friends, but, uh, you know, I also have to, have to maintain a relationship as a creative director and, mm -hmm. and creatives, and it won't work unless there's, you know, a lot of respect. Yeah. And uh, so I try to respect the work of my people. Sometimes I, I'm sure I can be a, a huge pain in the ass. Um, uh, and uh, we, haven't, can, we haven't heard that. I'm kind of, I can be demanding, you know what I mean? In fact, I, we had, we were in a meeting the other day and one of my creatives, Sasha Blayetz, who you, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sasha's working on, on Disney and a big pitch for she's us right great. now. She's great. She's amazing. Right? Yeah. Sasha, she's like, you're being combative. <laughs> and I said... <laughs> That's so Sasha. It's very Sasha. Yeah. And, um, and I said to myself, well, you know, I am what I am. Yeah. I have to like, I have to communicate to you with, with great speed and efficiency yeah. what my concerns are and where we need to get to. Yeah. Um, but by and large, I think you have to... This business is all about people. They're the resource. You have to respect them. And uh, uh, I try hard to uh, find people that I respect and that I, you know, make it easy to do that. Mm -hmm. What do you look for in somebody now? Um, I look for uh, kind of a, a great strategic instincts. And, and um, of course, they need the creative athleticism. But... You know, we do a lot of brand development work. We do, you know, we just re restaged and repositioned uh, a brand for Disney Freeform Network. We're doing, we did similar last year for uh, a brand for GE and Shinola, a joint venture between them. And we try to Shinola do- being the watchmaker from yes, Detroit. Right? Yes. Yeah. So we do brand a lot of brand development from the ground up. So you want creatives who understand intrinsically- what the strategic imperative is, what the brand feels like, and can uh, express it creatively as well. But great strategy. People who understand the social environment, you know, who are, and more and more you can find that, people who are native to it. Mm -hmm. um, Sasha is amazing at that, for mm -hmm. example. And yep. she's, you know, she's done great work for us, for Disney and for Synchrony and a, a bunch of other things. Um, and... Um, when we were at Deutsch, uh, a great uh, lion winning effort for TNT Network, uh, which was like a, a Twitter premiere mm -hmm. uh, where we premiered a whole episode of a new show via Twitter. Oh, know? wow. And so she, 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 people like that who have that uh, kind of cross 
um, strategic and creative athleticism, who also understand the social environment, who also understand, you know, how to how to work through a comm strategy. I mean, sometimes literally, I have my creatives working on on that stuff. Yeah. What is a comm strategy? I mean, to me, a comm strategy is is saying, let's take the brand idea, mm-hmm. let's dimensionalize it. And so the brand idea being sort of like just do it, like that. Just that's do it. the brand idea. Yeah. yeah. For, for for layman. Exactly. And then we say, well, what what are the kind of pillars underneath that? We're going to inspire. We're going to activate. You know, a lot of marketing ease stuff. But mm-hmm. there's a discipline to saying, how do we move somebody along the the selling continuum? And how do we speak to them in different voices at different moments? Mm. And so understanding how to build that, super important. And also understanding how to fill that with great content. Yeah. Um, so content strategy, comp strategy, you want people to understand that. And we also look for the same in, in the kind of planners that we work with. Yeah. Um, so. And uh how, when you get when you get an assignment, what's the first thing that you that you like to dig into? Like that you, what's your process for? Uh, you know, I I think it varies by by client. Um, we have we have a, a a startup like a telecom not telecom I shouldn't call it, call it that. It's really like a, a, a voice chat app mm-hmm. company that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And for them, the most important thing was understanding the the competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So we did a deep dive on that and did a big analysis. Mm-hmm. And then for for Disney, for Freeform, mm-hmm. it's about really understanding the psyche of millennials and how, you know, how do we entertain and engage them in a way that's really meaningful. And uh, look, everybody has their take on millennials, but we said, how, you know, how, how do you create an entertainment brand that, Syncs up with their kind of arc of becoming, right? Um, so I don't know. Every every time it's different, and it's just figuring out what the what the problem is, really. Yes, and sometimes we start out developing creative before we have the strategy, because we just want to see where do the creative's instincts take them, right? While we're at the same time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So doing the doing the the creative with sort of a, more of a vague strategy and and a, sort of an area. Yes, uh, and then finding yes. those 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 insights through through the, through doing the creative right, and and I'll tell you who's great at that is uh, Bill Tapalas. I don't know if you've ever worked with Bill, but he's no. ama- he's amazing. I think he might have worked I for don't... you guys for for uh, Tomasimo at, at one point. Okay, um, but I've only been here for uh, four and a half years, but uh, probably did. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. You guys are doing great. I said, oh, I you. said to Mark, uh, I, I wrote a note to Mark when you guys were named Agency of the Year, and uh, uh, it's well deserved. Oh, really great story arc. Thank you. Yeah. We're we're trying. Yeah. Uh, and congrats to you. Absolutely. Uh, and you've been uh, Denoto has been since you started since you left Deutsch. You've been doing Denoto, right? Yeah, yeah. I in, mean, in I, one I, form or another. In one form or another, I took like I took like a year off, and then uh-huh. now uh, you know we're starting. We're in a couple of big pitches. We have you know some great projects that we're doing for Corcoran for Disney, yeah, and we're doing brand development for a few startups. We have we have That's some nice, thing, nice things going on. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. And if people want to send you their their books or or send you a note, uh, yeah. where, where should they? Greg dot at denoto dot com. Greg.denoto at denoto.com. That's right. Got it. Okay, blood. Anything else uh, I didn't ask you? I'm I'm not good at this. Dude, there's nothing. Uh, 
there's nothing you didn't ask me. Uh, I was, I was terrified. I did want to ask down. more about Donnie, but I, you can, I'm you, not going to do it. Dude, he, here's the great thing about Donnie. I'll, I'll get whacked. He, you will not get whacked. He is. Donnie is, uh, uh, he is a genius. I have yeah. to give him credit, man. He, even though I fought with him tooth and nail for, you know, over many different things, in retrospect, he was right Yeah, <laughs> 73% of the time. He's and so happy to hear that. I'm he sure. is so happy. To, I mean, I, I don't care whether he's happy about that <laughs> or not, but I have to give, give credit where credit is due. And, and um, he had always had a kind of Brandon Tartikoff kind of gut, you know. When we were starting out the L.A. office, you know, I yeah. remember being on a plane— Oh, you opened the L.A. office. Wow. I, went, I went out with Donnie and Val DeFebo and myself and the biz dev guy, and we would commute back and forth oh for my a God. year from New York to L.A. with like – we had like the – you know, this is before Mike and, and Eric uh, took, were on board. They came aboard in 97. This is like a couple of years before that. Mm -hmm. We created like a, you know, a make-believe – office and we populated it with with people and then we would we'd fill it when we needed to and we were pitching things like uh yamaha and mattel and yeah. um you know having having great fun but he had a good gut about la and everybody said no right i said don't what are you crazy it fails yeah. every time but yeah la turned out to be the kind i of think it's stronger yeah you know, maybe the stronger office. stronger office yeah definitely years of that yeah. uh but back and forth now absolutely um Great to talk to you. You too, Thank bud. you for coming in. My pleasure. So that was my conversation with Greg Donato. What a guy. We actually went out to uh, to dinner after that. Uh, first time uh, going out with uh, with an A list guest. So I feel like a big shot now, uh, and I've got I've got stake in me to prove it. I want to thank Matt Stillo, our engineer. And Casey Valigursky, our producer. And this has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe us on the iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. And thanks for listening. What a guy. Greg Donato. Thanks for coming on, Greg. <laughs>